Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 8 Rankings Breakdown at each position. We'll go over the injury report as well. You want to find the full list of the rankings in the description of this video, as is the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League link. 3,000 spots this week, $15 to play, three max entry, no rake. Best tournament on DraftKings, bar none, because there's no rake. So that's what makes it so good. Plus, if you min cash, you get double your money. Go reserve your spot right now to make sure that you get in for the week because spots are filling very quickly. Also, smash the like button for the episode in the comment section. Tell me where you would rank Mike Evans this week in the wide receiver rankings with the news that Chris Godwin is going to be out. So I'm curious to hear. There's a lot of injuries, so we're going to talk through different permutations of what's going on this week. But if you are looking for red zone tools in terms of touches, in terms of targets, end zone targets, opportunity shares, air yards, you can find all of those in the description or at ftndaily.com completely free under the free tool section. You want the premium tools like the projections, the cornerback wide receiver index, the shadow index, the optimizer. It's going to cost you. I mean, those are premium tools for a reason. Code Mayo gets you a discount. Highly suggest you go do that right now as you know to watch the waiver wire show from monday the spread show on tuesday we got coverage all week for this so let's bring in the rankings guru himself from theathletic.com it's jake seeley what's up <laughs> what's going on yeah i'm glad you said all the permutations i legitimately got a question over the weekend hey can you put out two separate ranks for if their guys are in and then if they're not <laughs> as people know with this show we record this on a tuesday afternoon so obviously we do not have all of the final information on the week as of yet uh, i do the friday evening show injury update and the rankings update when we have you know 95 of the injuries that are going to happen on sunday that's when i'll do the full update of the rankings i also do it right before the thursday night game as well and you can just find that on dkplaybook.com and in the description so we're going to go with what i have right now in terms of what's going on and if information changes then the rankings are going to change it's that easy we can't go back and edit a video or podcast once it's already aired. although people think you can do that which is just mind-boggling but <laughs> let's just jump into it because there's a lot to talk about running backs this week, here's who I have is likely in. Travis Homer, Philip Lindsay, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and Miles Sanders. Likely out. Christian McCaffrey, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, Devonta Freeman, Mark Ingram, 
Tevin Coleman, and actually out, Jeff Wilson, Chris Thompson, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Sorny Michelle, and Raheem Mostar. A bunch of those guys are either on the COVID list or injured reserve. That's how we know that they're actually out. But there's a bunch of these guys who I have as likely in that might not play, and a bunch of the guys that are likely out that could end up playing. So I'll try to bang these out pretty quickly after I do the top 10 in overall rankings based on this injury report for the moment. Number one, Derrick Henry. Number two, Elvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Mike Davis, and we'll touch on him in a second. Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor. That's going to go into James Conner, Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley. I think those 13, and maybe there's ramifications for Gurley not taking the knee and getting into the end zone where he ends up playing fewer shares, but as we've seen consistently, he's going to find the end zone, not pile up a ton of yardage, but get a bunch of volume. I think those 13 guys with how it stands right now are your workhorse guys for the week. I mean, you can maybe throw Gaskin and Montgomery into that mix at 14 and 15, but it's a dicier situation with those two, I think. I think those two are on like a little mini tier of their own before you get into the guys that might be better than them, but you have no idea who's going to do it. comes back to the Leonard Fournette-Ronald Jones conversation we had last week. Yeah, and honestly, I, I think that work – so there's two ways of putting it. I'm glad that you said the tier of their own because workload, they are with those 13. And I think Gaskin, uh, similar to what we've seen this year against the Rams, was the same thing for the Bills, but the entire Bills defense is terrible, is elusive space guys running back-wise like Gaskin more so than Jordan Howard are the ones that you want to play against the Rams, as we just saw David Montgomery. He's not that guy, and that's why he struggled. But he's getting that volume. He's getting the passing game work. Uh, the problem is he's just not very good. So I think that that's fair to say. I feel better about Gaskin. You have Gaskin in front of Montgomery. And to go further past that, you know what? I understand Le'Veon Bell got a decent amount of work in his first game. And I guess the concern here, and maybe you answer the question because it's your rankings, the concern might be that the Chiefs have this game in control and then they just run Le'Veon Bell to protect Edwards Allaire as the signing was. But I don't think Edwards Allaire is done for. I, I think this just might be a 60-40 split similar to Eckler and Gordon back when they were in their quote-unquote prime with the Chargers. I actually tend to agree with you. The only thing particular about this game is that it's far easier to pass all over the Jets than to run on the Jets. Not that they're like any great shakes and run defense. It's not what they were a year ago. But Like I, the Giants, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a circumstance where I just think that where we didn't see much running, and it was all defensive scoring, which is completely in play again this week, which just hurts the overall fantasy value of all the Chiefs because they're just not on the field. Um at the same time, where it is a quota, I mean, very rarely do you see this where, like, we like to joke about revenge game type thing. I can see the Chiefs actively going out of their way to give Le'Veon Bell a touchdown here. <laughs> because revenge, or we really, I mean, we had the Golden Tate, Randall Cobb revenge game. So I guess if you're going to play up that narrative, I just, I, I was going more with forget revenge. Uh, I was just going with the fact that, similar to last week, is the whole signing, as they said from the day one, and as we just saw in the first game, is to protect Edwards Alaire throughout an entire season. We've seen this from college players before, especially ones that are more elusive running backs instead of power running backs that they wear down throughout the season. You have the concern of the workload, so why not protect Edwards Alaire? And I, in that usage that we saw in the first game, mind you, I think he ran 10 routes off the top. I think it was 11 to 10, Edwards Allaire to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell wasn't targeted, though. So the point is he's still out there a lot already. So I think this could be a game where they're already in control, and then why are you going to mess around with Edwards Allaire? Like, why not? This could be a 60-40 split that just goes in Bell's favor because they're up by three scores before halftime. 
I can definitely, I think there's just a lot of uncertainty that's on the table with this right now. I still prefer Edwards Lair. I think he's going to be fine as a running back two moving forward. Someone actually asked me, like, do you trade Edwards Lair for James Robinson right now? And I, the answer is yes, right? Yeah. I, I look, if James Robinson, I think I said it to you. I don't know. There's so many shows. I said that if you put Fournette's name on the back of his jersey, everybody's considering him a top 10 lock running back. They just don't know and to respect James Robinson. James Robinson, absolutely. I think that James Robinson, if you told me straight up for Zeke, I think I go James Robinson at this point. What do you make of Zeke? Is this an offensive line issue? Is it a quarterback play issue? Is it the way that it's constructed? Is he dealing with like ramifications from having COVID this summer where he just can't get back up to where he was athletically? Like there's so much mystery around why he's not good. Um, and good being kind of relative because fantasy wise outside of last week, he actually has been pretty good. He continues to churn out double digit fantasy points every single game. He's just not elite. Like he was drafted. Like, like you, know, you would have been much better off taking Derrick Henry at this point point or Elvin Kamara even Delvin Cook who missed a week uh, right. is still putting up elite fantasy numbers were on the field where Zeke has basically been like a low-end running back one instead of the high-end running back one which he spent the draft capital on right yeah I think it goes back to a lot of people wrote these articles in the offseason about Saquon Barkley and that there's never been a running back top 10 that's finished on a team that's been bottom five offense and stuff like that. And I think right now that's the concern with Zeke is it's not just the change from Dak to Dalton or it looks like this week, Danucci. It's the offensive line has just been devastated by inju injuries. So you have poor quarterback play with no Dak. You have a poor offensive line that was somewhat concerning to begin with, but with Dak back there, it kind of offset everything. And now I mean, if you're opponents and you're looking at the quarterbacks playing for the Cowboys and how easy it is to get after them, you're just going to add an extra guy into the box and the ball's not going to be able to get to the receivers anyway. So I think that's the biggest problem with Zeke. It's very similar to the concern of Barkley with the Giants. But the one thing about Barkley with the Giants, despite Zeke being a very good pass catcher, Barkley has a little bit more wiggle to escape those close defenders. And I'm not discounting Zeke at all, but I think that at this point, until the at least the offensive line gets a piece or two back, you do have to consider that James Robinson's a better option. And I think that if we had a healthy Nick Chubb, I would even put him in front of him at this point. He's now in the RB7-8 range, sadly. Hmm. Yeah. Like, would you rather have Josh Jacobs or Zeke the rest of the year? I'll st I'll still go Zeke because of the passing game, uh, as we've seen just last week. Uh, granted, like you don't start many running backs against the Raiders, and yeah, elite options you still have to start them, but you expect a potential game like that. But the problem is Jacobs, despite seeing a little bit more passing game work, they're still so re like reluctant to give him a lot of work like Zeke does in the passing game. Yeah, it's something that I think people fell into the trap of Week One when he was getting that usage against Carolina, and he was just demolishing them on the ground and getting all the goal line where it's like oh my god Josh Jacobs is gonna have 100 <laughs> catches this year it's like well he's gonna have more than he had last year but it's not quite what maybe you were expecting after week one but right. it's nitpicky with these guys this is more trade value stuff let's talk about some of these injuries uh, at the top I have Mike Davis at number five let's say McCaffrey plays which is potentially on the table I don't think he goes but he's shed the non-contact uniform. He's been activated from off the IR at the moment if he does go you play him right <laughs> Uh, there's no question in my mind you play him. Do you Maybe play, do you play, da game. do you play Davis too? No, I would play Davis. So let's just, we'll play with your ranks right now. 
if Christian McCaffrey plays, I would put Christian McCaffrey right there. I think Aaron Jones, Cook, and Kamara all have to stay in front of him just because of the first game back. Maybe they ease him in and only give him 60 to 70%. Similar to the reports that we're hearing, I don't think that report carries past his first game back. I don't think they're going to use Mike Davis 30% of the time when Christian McCaffrey's 100%. So in the first game back, I think Davis would fall down to probably right around James White range uh, just because we know what you get from James White and I think you can see a little bit of similar work maybe not as much passing game work but I think that's where Davis would fall as he's a fringe RB2-3 in that case okay let's say Dalvin Cook doesn't play in this game <laughs> um I mean he's expected to play let's say he doesn't how high you no going? I was chuckling at like the, let's there's a lot of ifs this week you're right I just that's so what I'm chuckling at. let's say Dalvin Cook out how high does Madison go I think Madison proved that it's not always a lock. Gio on the flip side, Jamal Williams on the flip side. This is why you play these guys. This is why you go for it because more often than not, it works in running back. And that's why everybody says, don't waste picks and don't waste blah, blah, blah. And running backs don't matter. Like there's a proof, but it doesn't always work. Madison's not on Cook's level. He's a very high end replacement. I would compare him to Tony Pollard. So I would still go Jake was against the Browns. I can't start him over Zeke. He, he would Miles be, Sanders, but, but, okay, okay let, let's, let's, let's put the line right here then. Like, cause I mentioned those 13 guys that we all kind of agreed on that. Like they're the workhorse okay. guys. He would be in that mix of one of the 13, right? I think one of the third, eh, no, I would actually, you know what? I would actually put him in that group with Gaskin and Montgomery. I do think that we have to be concerned about, they like to use CJ Ham and Mike Boone and he, Madison didn't get the volume we expected in that one game, despite even with him not playing that well, the volume wasn't even 20 touches. So I think that Madison and that Gaskin Montgomery rate, like now there's three in that tier. Okay. Let's say there's no Miles Sanders against the Cowboys. How high does Boston Scott go? Because I still have, I have more worries about him as it pertains to Snapshare, whether it's Clement, whether it's someone else, or where they end up going with the ball versus the other two that we just talked about. Yeah, with the way that the Cowboys look right now, I mean, look at what Washington just did to them. Really, Boston Scott has more appeal in a game where hopefully the other team is scoring. And Boston Scott, I'm not taking this away from him, but he saved his day late with that touchdown on Thursday night. So I think Boston Scott would have to be in that LaMichael P. Ryan Phil Lindsay, if he goes, that kind of conversation right there is low end RB2. And then Clement would probably be down in this Melvin Gordon, DJ Dallas range. Philip Lindsay, if he doesn't play against the Chargers, he's currently in concussion protocol. Do you feel comfortable moving up Melvin Gordon a bunch? Because I don't. Uh, you know what? I do. Uh, the Chargers are actually a pretty good matchup. I would put Melvin Gordon all the way. I would feel better about Melvin Gordon than Swift and Patricia. So, uh, you know, he'd be another one. Put Melvin Gordon in that Gaskin Montgomery. Now we've got four in that group. I, I, you don't see any sort of circumstance where Lindsey is out, Melvin Gordon ends up in, uh, and Royce Freeman does some heavy lifting here. No, Royce Freeman's not Melvin Gordon. I, Royce Freeman has been productive replacing options before, but Royce Freeman is Royce Freeman. I, I, don't, I don't think he'll be insignificant. But I think that Melvin Gordon would be probably top 15 for me. If Mark Ingram sits, how comfortable do you feel? with? <laughs> yes. the, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't like to see anyone get hurt. That's not my beef with Mark Ingram. I just want to see him play terrible when he's on the field. Then it makes me chuckle. <laughs> I don't want to see the guy hurt. This is his livelihood here. But for me, it would be that's the way that I have it ranked right now is that Melvin uh, that uh, Mark Ingram is not going to play. I have Dobbins over Gus Edwards. I have one at 24, one at 28. Agreed. 
only because it is difficult to run on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I doubt that Gus Edwards is going to get too involved in the passing game where I can see Dobbins doing that. But the hesitation on all of them is, my guy, Jean-Luc Picard ends up stealing a touchdown, or Lamar just runs <laughs> Lamar it Jackson. in. Yeah, like there's just so much. Yeah. It, it's like if you told me that Dobbins played 55% of the snaps, I'd say he'd be like a low-end running back too. But Gus Edwards probably gets the one-yard touchdown. Like they kind of eat from each other. Plus there's all these other guys that can eat at the same time. Yeah, I think where you have him is exactly where I would put him, mostly because of what you said about Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is just not the pass catcher. He just, they won't use him that way, mostly because he's not that good in the passing game. J.K. Dobbins has also been more productive on a per-touch basis, and of course, we don't have a huge sample from this backfield because they're all split across the board. Actually, if you pull Lamar Jackson's rushing attempts, it's surprising. They combine for one of the five lowest combined running back backfields of rushing attempts. They're just not running this year, so... I think if you look at it for the upside, yeah, I would go with Dobbins uh, mostly because the Steelers too, if they push the pace as we expect, that would be more Dobbins inherently anyway. Uh, Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hollywood Brown got a sweep out of the backfield like Debo Samuel or something. What about Des Bryant? Get him on the field. Get him him (laughs) to play play running back. He can't play this week. (laughs) When when is he eligible to play week nine also? I think next week because they officially signed him to the practice squad today, which means he has his two COVID tests to pass, which I don't, that's why I said, I don't think he can pass it in time for this week. I'm not sure because that was the whole reason why they're saying the Seahawks can't get a running back in time for their game. Even if they know that Homer is out as well, it would just be DJ Dallas and they would have to promote somebody off their practice squad. So this is the biggest situation I think, because I think you can find mine some fantasy gold if you can play this correctly. So one Chris Carson, not going to play. That seems to be pretty obvious. I mean, we although we thought that like a few weeks ago against Miami, and then all of a sudden he's on the field. So just pay attention to what's going on. They've called him week to week, so I expect him not to play. He is out of the rankings. Then Pete Carroll says that Carlos Hyde is dealing with a hamstring injury, and this is one thing that I've been... It's especially key this year, just based on the way that they designate injuries, and when you hear coach speak, and it's helped me out on the waiver wire, more so at receiver than anything. But anytime someone has been designated with a hamstring injury, I don't think that they've played the next week. <laughs> I would have bet that's nine out of ten times it doesn't happen. I- I'd be with you on that one. So, yeah, I don't expect Carlos Hyde to play, especially with that news that came this morning and apparently it happened in the game, and I don't know why it's more concerning today than it was day of the game, but... Uh, yeah, I would say that we're down to DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. And if it's no Travis Homer, which with some of the reports are coming out today, it sounded like he might not play. It's DJ Dallas. <laughs> and if DJ Dallas is the only guy left and whoever they bring up from the practice squad, or maybe they try some, you know, Tyler Lockett in the backfield, or even, I mean, I'm trying to think down the roster of who else they can do that one wide receiver that I'm um, not David Moore, the one behind them. I'm trying to think of, they might do some of that similar to the 49ers, oh, but Swain, DJ Dallas, yeah, Freddie Swain. It's got to be Swain. Uh, so, 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 but I, I think that if you look at it, DJ Dallas's biggest concern is he's a rookie. And I was shocked. I was two things. Is I was shocked that he was still getting as much run as he was getting despite missing so many pass blocking attempts. And the one towards the end of the game where the guy was standing in front of him and it looked like he tried to move out of the way, like just ignored him and moved out of the way and got Wilson killed. That makes me pause a little bit of how many snaps he'll get, even as the full lead. So I'd probably 
kind of try to, you know, straddle the fence a little bit and kind of put him in the 15 to 17 touch range. And in that case, he'd probably be, if Lindsay is playing, kind of in that conversation with Lindsay and LaMichael Piran. So right now I have Travis Homer as in. So I have him at number 26. I have DJ Dallas at number 36 in the rankings. Do you think that's a fair spot for both of them? Because I don't really know how this shakes down. And what this could ultimately lead to is just Russell Wilson passing 60 times. Which would be glorious. Oh, for Which, sure. That, that means just, just stack DraftKings and uh, get DK Metcalf back in your lineup after everybody's pissed off about it from last week. So, yeah, hey, look, I think those are fair spots. The biggest thing is it's not San Francisco and the fact that Shanahan will just lie to us any given week. It's Seattle, and we just have two giant questions of Homer and Dallas who technically their skill sets just aren't meant to be lead running back options. So let's say there's no Travis Homer. You're comfortable with DJ Dallas inside the top Somewhere between 15 and 20, basically. I'd still, you know what? Like, I, I like them like about the same amount as I feel as playing P. Ryan against the Chiefs. I actually do. I would risk Henderson over both of them. I know that the Malcolm Brown goal line usage is frustrating as hell. He's Daryl Henderson's essentially now Matt Forte back in the day. If we always see him getting vultured and he's doing all the work between the tens. So I would go Henderson, P. Ryan, Dallas, if no Homer. Just for me personally. Okay, let's say Carlos Hyde plays. How high? Is, <laughs> how high does Carlos Hyde go? Does is he in that like Gaskin range? Uh, no. Yeah, I was gonna say no because I was looking at the player. I was gonna say no too. I, was, I feel better about him than I do Jarek McKinnon with Shanahanigans, but and I'd probably play Hyde over Edwards Alaire for usage. So Swift not knowing what Patricia's gonna do with the Colts. Yeah, I, I think that he would be right there with David Montgomery. Uh, the one reason I'd I probably have... play him over David Montgomery. Hmm, I probably wouldn't just because I know that he's going to be on the field 85% of the time. The problem with Hyde yeah, would the then be defense. the problem with Hyde would become that if he is dealing with this hamstring injury injury and he does try to give it a go, the chances for re-aggravation him leaving the game, I would say are a lot higher than David Montgomery just randomly coming off the field. Right. So I will agree with you unless we if we get a full practice on friday like not limited at all yeah then i would go hide over montgomery that's fair so tune in to friday's pat mayo experience which comes <laughs> out at like 7 p.m eastern time i'll once, be there in spirit once we get the full scope of everything and then we can try to make a more concrete decision but i, I guess it's pretty easy because yeah, you'll know like as it pertains to running back on thursday night like if mccaffrey's active you play mccaffrey if mccaffrey's not active you play mike davis you're playing todd Gurley. it's a, and you're playing them over all these guys anyway so it's not that big of a deal i suppose yeah, I would agree with you. I think the one that we do know who's playing that everybody has the biggest question about is McKinnon at 18 and Hasty at 31. So let's dig into this because I have, like you said, I have McKinnon at number, what is it, 18, Hasty at number 18. 31, but I currently have Tevin Coleman ranked as not playing. He might play in this game. <laughs> so let's, 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 live in, let's live in this world where Coleman is out. I prefer okay. I prefer McKinnon to Hasty in this matchup. I wish I had have known that Kyle Shanahan had been planning a scheduled break for Jarek McKinnon with all of the work <laughs> that he was going to get doing. But I still think that he plays like sixty percent of the snaps in this game because it's going to be it's against Seattle. It's a higher pace game. I think that's the sort of situation where you do want Jarek on the field. I think his skill set really matches up well with someone like Seattle. Uh, I completely agree. Have you gotten any of the comments where the you should have seen this coming with McKinnon's workload? No, man. Like, here's the, here's the like, thing. People who read The Athletic <laughs> like to give you heat. Viewers of the Pat Mayo Experience, highly educated people, they know we don't know this stuff. They don't know this stuff. <laughs> like, people know. Like, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, 
if you could predict Shanahan's future for me, please like be, have my blessing to rank Shanahan running backs for the rest of his career. I'm with you for the, this other reason here is it actually pertains specifically to hasty and why I would still go McKinnon is because hasty had his opportunity. Like, okay, let's, let's believe Shanahan and believe it was a scheduled week quote unquote all for McKinnon. They went with Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson until he got hurt over Hasty. That was an opportunity for Hasty. It was Jeff Wilson's first game back. So you're telling me that he's going to use Hasty as the lead option if it's only down to McKinnon and Hasty? Like I just again, it's Shanahan. I'm prepared to be wrong, but that just tells me he, he Hasty's not the lead option. So if Coleman does play, like I agree with you in your ranking. So now the scenario if Coleman did play. I would actually put Coleman second and then Hasty third. Uh, I would as well. I was actually trying to think of what I put Coleman first over Jarek. It just that would if he gets into the full practice, like we talked about with Carlos Hyde, right. if he ends up doing that, that if he's practicing in full, he looks fine. Would they just turn to him because he was the secondary option, and maybe they mix in Jarek because Debo's going to be out. They line him up at receiver a little bit. I'd probably bump them all outside the top twenty though. Yeah, I would pull. Yeah, I would pull them closer and to the Ravens all three. Yeah, and just inherently, if McKinnon and Coleman are both playing, and there is no Moster and there is no Jeff Wilson, like I'm forgetting Hasty altogether. I'm just McKinnon and Coleman together, and because I feel like we're going to talk about these guys anyway, they kind of feel like Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette to me. I'm prepared to be wrong, but I'm going to try, and I'm assuming I'll, I kind of I'll present the question to you. I'm assuming you have Jones ahead of Fournette because you don't expect them to need to pass against the Giants. This is correct. Um... And it's a situation that I think that Jones just has more upside if things break his way over Fournette. Like we talked about last week, the situation which we talked about last week actually played itself out, uh, which is shocking because I never get anything right. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I can see it swinging back this direction against the Giants uh, again this week. I don't want to play either of them, but against the Giants, I kind of want to play both of them. It's a really weird situation to be in. (laughs) So I have Ronald Jones at number 19, and I have Leonard Fournette at number 30. Like, you can make a case that they're both, like, if you could use them as your flex option and have two better options, that's probably the ideal world you can live in. But if Fournette outscores Ronald Jones in this game and ends up with, what did they end up with last week? Leonard Fournette, 56% of the snaps, Ronald Jones, 43% of the snaps even if it's that way again or it flips jones 53 fournette 41 then i think they're both kind of viable against the giants they're both kind of viable i would feel better if they're facing an opponent that could put more up on the on the defense the bucks defense but whether it's freeman or gallman or whoever the hell it is like i don't even think we'd even talk about those running backs because you're not starting them against the bucks defense and Daniel Jones with that offensive line and the way that the Buccaneers defense is playing as a whole this year on top of their run defense. Like I just, I can't see them even putting up 20. Yeah. I mean, if Daniel Jones just shimmies one guy and takes off down the field, as long as he's not on his own 30 yard line, I think he should be fine. (laughs) Just as long as he doesn't overrun himself. (laughs) I mean, the wind, man, the wind is tough. He's not not aerodynamically (laughs) built enough to really like not be like, Whoa, (laughs) Look, I know the feeling of what he was saying that he ran so fast he lost his footing. We've all done it, but the last time I did it, I was like 12 years old. Like, come on, dude. Wayne Gallman, I have at number 29 right now. Um, that's actually one spot ahead of Leonard Fournette. I don't know if it's too high because I can see him. If if then this assumes that Freeman is not going to play, that I just see Gallman soaking up like eight targets in this game. Like it's a it's a JD McKissick type game for him. Even then, still too high. <laughs> So I'd put him, I'd put him down by like Malcolm Brown, honestly. 
Malcolm Brown. Where do I have Malcolm Brown? I guess the Dolphins for a rushing touchdown. He's getting the red zone work. They're oh, not quite a full split, but at this point, McVay hates Cam Akers. Okay, so, so. Would, would you play Gallman or DJ Dallas, assuming that Homer is playing? DJ Dallas. So would you play Brown? Brown. Would you play Boston Scott with Miles Sanders in or... I think that's a fair spot to toss up. All right, so I'm going to throw. Now Gallman. you're talking about volume versus yeah, so, passing up. So, so I'm going to I'm going to go Gallman one spot ahead of Boston Scott at 37. I just I am legitimately even if it's Freeman. There's unless I'm desperate, I don't I don't want to touch a running back unless you're elite against the Bucks. And even we just saw last week with Josh Jacobs, as we mentioned at the top, they can shut down elite level running backs. And you're going to tell me Gallman can even hold a candle to Josh Jacobs. There's no chance. It's not even that it's a situation where in this particular week that all four teams on by have viable running backs, that would be your running (laughs) back to flex guys that these guys enter the equation because they're probably like your fourth, fifth running back on the team. And now you need to promote them for the starting lineup for one week. Like you're missing Edmonds, you're missing Gibson and McKissick and Robinson and David Johnson. No, I mean, James Robinson, and Chase Edmonds will be elite once they come back off by with no Kenyon Drake. But the rest of the guys are like, ah, they're kind of in the conversation with the other guys on your bench every week anyway, that now they're not there. Right. Yeah, sure. And, and I understand it. But also, you know, Deion Lewis, I'm not saying he's a significant threat, but, you know, any given game, that first game without before Freeman was activated, or no, wait, before the Freeman signing when they lost Barkley, everybody's like, oh, it might be Lewis. And he was used a little bit, but I'm not getting super excited about him. But like, what if Lewis ends up getting seven targets and Gallman only gets two? And then all of a sudden, Gallman doesn't even have that aspect of this game. That's my concern. Uh, any other running backs you think we should talk about? I have uh, Josh Kelly a few spots ahead of Justin Jackson. I think they're both decent options, like flex options. But, yeah, and that, that could flip by the week. That looks like it's going to be extremely frustrating until Austin Eckler comes back. And it's going to be, it looks like, Game script dependent and where it's going to be 60-40 every single week, but 61 week, Jackson, 60 next week, Kelly. They use Kelly in the passing game, and then they don't use him in the passing game, and then they use Jackson on a third and one. And they do. So I don't think there's any real tell. Like I said, you could slightly lean towards one or the other on the game script, but it's as you as I said, it's 60-40. It's not like it's an 80-20 split where we feel confident in it. So I think they're both usable. Uh, I have Swift up pretty high in the rankings inside the teens yeah. below that Saw tier. That. The main reason for that is... I just think there's going to be a lot of passing in this game and a good way to attack the Colts defense is with underneath passing routes. Uh, You know, the Danny, Danny Amendola types of the world that if we do believe that Swift is going to be the primary pass catcher out of the backfield for the Lions, which is always up in the air and who knows what they're going to be up to, (laughs) that he's going to be the one on the field the most in this game. Oh, 100%. Adrian Peterson's barely used in the passing game at this point. And I was actually going to just pull that up to see like what his uh, routes over the last two games is that being for Swift were. So have you, have you checked? Have you looked? Uh, I, I didn't look. I saw someone tweet out last week that he ran, I believe it was like 21 routes out of the backfield last week. Is that, I was looking at the last two games. So the last two games, let's see, last two games for DeAndre Swift. Where are you, buddy? I'm looking for, oh, there he is. 20 routes, last two games, 14.3 target percentage though. So that's fourth on the team behind Galladay, Hawkinson, Jones. and so, they're, so not only is he running routes, that they're actively looking for him when he is running routes. Right. So. It's actually the fourth most, fifth most routes right behind Amendola. Uh, for context purposes, Adrian Peterson, 
eight routes and 3.2% target percentage. And we're seeing this kind of emerge a little bit uh, in the snap shares. They're kind of always going to be around the same thing because, listen, they activated Bo Scarborough from the injured reserve that all of a sudden, like, <laughs> if he gets 15 carries, I'm not going to be super stunned. But DeAndre Swift, 44% of snaps last week. Adrian Peterson, 27 in a game where they were playing catch-up. They got down, and obviously they ended up winning. But the one good thing about that, and in this – has to go to if you think that the Colts are actually good and will score points in this game, not just continuously kick field goals, is that it gets Swift on the field in the red zone in spots where I think they would want to use Adrian Peterson, but they're in clear passing down, so they just have Swift on the field, and then he lucks his way into a touchdown. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Oh, we didn't mention, do you think, are you assuming 100% Mixon's back, or do you want to talk about that if it's one more week? I think that one's pretty clear, to tell you the truth, that if Mixon okay. doesn't play, you just play Gio Bernard as like a top 12 option. He's a running back one. Okay. I just was, I, I was assuming he was a running back one. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I, I guess the better question is, if Mixon comes back, do we see more Gio like we did in the, earlier in the year? Mm, I think that Gio would probably be in that Boston Scott range. Yeah, okay, in like the low 30s kind of thing. Like you could play him, but if he scored zero points, you wouldn't be super stunned. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked, yeah. Um, running backs to trade for right now or to trade, does anyone just off the top of your head kind of pop off? Like, oh, like this guy is severely undervalued. Is it DeAndre Swift? Mm, I, I think that DeAndre Swift price is starting to get up. If you can still get him for low in RB2, I would. I think you have to consider trading low on Zeke or buying low. I've seen some trades already in my waiver column this week where people are like, oh, do I trade this? And Zeke's part of a deal now. And if you're going to get, look, Zeke could be this for the rest of the year. There's no question. That's that's the downside. But if you're going to get Zeke at low on RB1 and you're going to potentially be a league winner and you're chasing the title, you have to take that upside, in my opinion, the same as people who are still trying to buy Christian McCaffrey before he actually plays a game and you're getting him for anything less than a top five running back. Like I saw one person who said, I got a deal on the table straight up Aaron Jones for Christian McCaffrey. I said, I absolutely do that. No question in my mind. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey could come back first game, aggravate the injury. He could come back and all of a sudden Matt Rule's an idiot and it's a 50-50 split. But you take that upside chance of Zeke and Christian McCaffrey. So those would be the ones I, you know what? I don't know who you sell high right now. There's just so few running backs out there. I guess the one might be like Chris or uh, Chase Edmonds. People are going to treat him as a top 10 running back. Maybe I'm not saying they are, but if you can trade him for that and he's on his buy and then Drake will be back before we even get to the fancy playoffs might be something to consider, but it's hard to trade away running backs right now. I think I would risk trading for Miles Sanders right now and maybe even overpay That's a another bit good one. for him just because his value has been depreciated because the Eagles have kind of been all over the place. Now he has this knee injury, and I don't know the severity of it. I'm guessing he's back this week. Maybe he ends up missing this week. Maybe he ends up missing the next five games. I don't know. But I just look at the Eagles. All the Eagles in general, it's like picking up Dallas Goddard off the bye. Like they go on to bye week next week. So coming out of that, they go Giants, Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Cowboys. That's the rest of their yeah. schedule. Like, that's amazing. Uh, It's 100% amazing. If you want to talk about amazing schedules, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot. Like, it's going to have to be RB1 with somebody. But if somebody's going to do that, somebody needs a wide receiver, maybe, it's going to be Derrick Henry season again because to finish the year, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay. It doesn't get any better than that for any running back. That's pretty good. Do you worry about Gaskin and maybe they switch up the offense with Tua coming in? There's a slight concern. I don't think they'll switch up the offense. It's more about what does Tua do? It just, is Tua going to be Justin Herbert, even Joe Burrow? Or does he potentially struggle as a rookie, which a lot of rookie quarterbacks can do? 
and it just hurts the offense as a whole. So, uh, and then maybe he doesn't target Gaskin at all. Maybe he just likes to go to his wide receivers and gets Gasicki back involved a little bit more. So, yeah, there's a slight concern, but I don't think Gaskin's all of a sudden going to lose snaps to uh, Matt Breida or, I mean, Jordan Howard's been inactive. Assuming Cook and Sanders are both back this week, if we were to re-rank the running backs the rest of the season, like who would you want? Like if you had the first pick in the week nine draft and just don't worry about Byron. It wouldn't be McCaffrey? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously Christian McCaffrey. So, so, McCaff- I, I thought- so you would go Camara <laughs> over Derrick Henry? Yes. Like barely, but yes. So but those are the top three. Where does Dalvin Cook fit into that? Four. Okay. Where I had him preseason. <laughs> Dalvin Cook deserves. Dalvin Cook is number four, always and forever. So, is there a number five that's very clear in that, or are those the top four? Then you start making the arguments for whoever else. I think you make. I think that's where you're starting to get a conversation for everybody. I, I like. You know, you could legitimately healthy Miles Sanders make a case for him number five because you're making a case for him over Aaron Jones and his inconsistency. Kareem Hunt would probably be number five for me, but we know Nick Chubb's coming back in, what, two or three weeks, so he's going to be back in the mix. Zeke's concerns we've covered in depth. James Conner I like, but his schedule is not the best. He has the Baltimore Ravens this week, so you get them out of the way at least a little bit. But, I mean, you just have a lot of questions after that. So I think those are the clear four if you're re-ranking as of today. So if we were to do that next tier worth of guys, we don't need to rank them. We just need to kind of come up with a pool of names of who would be the five to 12 basically at running back for the rest of the season i'm thinking like aaron jones josh jacobs miles sanders ezekiel elliott james connor mixon robinson james robinson i mean james robinson you could potentially rank as high as fifth uh with the way that he's been playing and the usage that he's getting i i I wouldn't do that i'd probably have him like seven (laughs) or something he might be the most undervalued guy because of the name recognition and people still don't. And if they're throwing everything out there, like anybody who wants to push against them has some reason, you know, the Jaguars offense, uh, he only, you know, averaging 3.5 yards per carry in the last three games before last week, all this, it's just all the talk about James Robinson because people don't know who he is and they don't know the skill set, and they're, you know, they question it. And I understand it. Part of it's the team perception too. But what my first comment back was, I don't care about yards per carry. That is one of the most overrated stats. Here's the stat I care about. Even before last week, his low game on the season is nine and a half points. And well, last week was a bit difficult because Chris Thompson unexpectedly went on the COVID list and he had been eating into the snap share just a little bit. But then there was no one around to spell him on the passing down. It's not that he got a ton of work in the passing game. I think he had four catches for 20 years. No, actually, no, I, he had four catches for 18 yards because his over-under was 18 and a half. And I bet the <laughs> over. He did not hit that. But at the same time, he's always out there. He's sort of game script agnostic as long as Chris Thompson is out. Maybe that won't be entirely the case once Thompson comes back. Although these guys returning from the COVID list have not looked good by any means. No, it's taken him a little while to get back involved. I mean, think about it. You know, if we're speculating on what COVID does and two-week flu, and I mean, what if you told somebody two weeks of flu and trying to come back from the energy and what it does to your body? There's a lot of questions there. So, yeah, I think that's a, a nice group. I don't know that we left anybody out. I think, obviously, if Nick Chubb was healthy, he'd be in that conversation. Well, Nick Chubb is expected to return in week 10. I think he'd be at the bottom expected. of that because I do think that Kareem Hunt is still going to be involved. Did I say Jonathan Taylor? Like, would he be a part of that group or would he be a part of the next group that would have, like, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, David Montgomery, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like that type of guy. If he's in that group, he's at the top of it. If he's in the group in front of him, he's at the bottom of it. That's the thing. Is it, just, it comes down to Naeem Hines is still used. They still keep using Jordan Wilkins, despite Jordan Wilkins just not being 
even close in talent. It's kind of similar to Sean McVay, but a little clearer, obviously, because he's the lead. If we could just, if you told me, I go back to something we talked about in the preseason. If you told me it was just Taylor and Hines, then yes, you'd be in that group. But until we get rid of Wilkins and for whatever their fascination is with giving him touches, I think he's at the top of that next group. Oh, the other one we left out Chris too Carson. Is, oh, Chris Carson. Oh, and, yeah. So and, him too. And, I and Eckler. We just don't know when they're going to be. At least there seems to be like a Eckler. timetable for Chubb with Eckler and Carson. I don't really know. No, the Eckler one sounds ominous, honestly, the way that that team put it is, you know, back soon, like later rather than sooner. Nobody ever puts it that way. <laughs> when you put it that way, like that just sounds really ominous, especially coming from the team that that doesn't sound like we might see him before the fantasy playoffs, which would not be good for your fantasy team, because that means you probably would not be in the fantasy playoffs, especially if you went. And, <laughs> so you have to factor that into it, that there's an unknown with him where it does seem like there's a bit more clarity with someone like Nick Chubb. How long do you think Drake's out for? Mm. it sounds like what three to four weeks or so so yeah i just don't know that even when he comes back if how much of a timeshare that he's involved with Edmonds. i think that they like having him on the field for that presence no, no i know i just i meant the, sorry i meant the volume like oh, is sure, it yeah. be... I, I, this isn't really a drake question it's more of an Edmonds question like how good is Edmonds? right i think Edmonds, even when drake comes <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what she's barking at uh Edmonds, i would say when Drake is back high in RB two, because what I, my point about Drake coming back is I think he's on the back end of the usage. All right. What about like Gibson is Gibson in that, like David Johnson tier of like the next, next, next down. I would say, yeah, next. Well, so wait, you're talking about the Todd Gurley conversation. Yeah. Gurley, Edwards, Alaire, Montgomery. Yeah. I put him Gaskin. in that group. Yeah. He's in that group, right? Yeah, mostly my only concern with Gibbs with Gibson is if Washington is behind and playing behind, then we're gonna see more McKissick. Oh, McKissick rules, that's why. He's best running back in football. <laughs> Let's switch to wide receivers. Uh I got news before, like instantly before we came on to the record that Chris Godwin is going to miss week eight with a finger injury. So per the graphics, he is still on them at the moment because we didn't it takes more than like 15 seconds to switch one of these graphics. So you know, just know that going in. Guys, I have in the rankings uh right now up on tkplaybook.com and in the description of this video. Plus, if you're still out there, remember to smash the like button for the video and tell me where you would rank Mike Evans in the week eight wide receiver rankings. Don't be afraid to subscribe to the Mayo Media Network as well. We need as many subs as possible. If you don't tune in all the time, just hit the sub button. It really does help us create you know, more free shows, more live shows, everything like that. So please, based on the support of viewers like you, Mayo Media Network can soar. All right, thank you for that. Deontay Johnson, John Brown, Marquez Calloway, Jamison Crowder, Devontae Parker, I have in. Likely out. Michael Thomas, Sammy Watkins, Brian Edwards, Alshon Jeffrey, Tim Patrick, Jalen Rager. <sighs> Rashad Perriman, Nikhil Harry, Emmanuel Sanders, and Antonio Brown. Likely or out for sure. Alan Lazard, Chris Godwin, Odell Beckham, Debo Samuel, Deshaun Jackson. Fun times. Plus, we have Washington, Arizona, Jacksonville, and Houston on by, which leaves us with Devontae Adams at number one in the rankings. Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Kenny Galladay. I initially had Chris Godwin at number seven. So that will go into Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf. A.J. Brown into Tyler Lockett, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, Jamison Crowder, Tyler Boyd, Justin Jefferson, Robert Woods, D.J. Moore, T. He Higgins, and Stephen Diggs against the Pats at number 20. With Godwin out, how high does Mike Evans, do you think, go up in these rankings? Uh, I think that Mike Evans would have to be in play around Robbie Fre Anderson. Okay, so like a fringe wide receiver one. 
Yeah, I, I think that he just has to be because there's no Chris Godwin. And we've seen without Chris Godwin that he can be fine as Mike Evans is the what Mike Evans we want him to be. The biggest issue we have with Chris Godwin is something I put in the waiver column is that his target percentage is down in like 11, 12% when Godwin's on the field and Godwin's 20 plus in all three games where they played. And that was one Godwin. I don't even think played the full game in one of those overlaps. But, you know, if you look at it as four games down with last week, if you look at it, no Godwin, you have to put him back into that range. Yeah. You can say Scotty Miller can jump into relevancy, but it's still going to be Mike Evans first. That's the, you know, that's that's obvious. So I'm going to bump Mike Evans up from 37 because I was on the same path as you all the way up to number 13 in the rankings. I initially had Scotty Miller at number 50. Where do I bump him up to? Do you think like would you play him? Let's assume Brian Edwards is going to be out again. And I actually have Nelson Aguilar ranked at number 35 because he continues to put yeah. fantasy points every week. Would you play Scotty Miller or Nelson Aguilar? I would play Aguilar until further notice. So Emery Hunt tweeted about this over the weekend, and he's right. It, it, the biggest thing with Aguilar is it looks like, yes, he pay, he played pitifully with the Eagles, but because he didn't, because he was struggling, and because they benched him, it was a confidence factor too. Like I'm not saying that he didn't deserve to be benched, and that was the only issue. But he looks to what he said is like he's kind of got that swagger back from USC. He's got confidence back, and I'm not saying any week could go sideways with Aguilar, but he's getting targets too. He's getting a little bit more volume than Henry Ruggs. He's continuing to produce. I think until it goes sideways, you have to play Nelson Aguilar. I would play him over Scotty Miller, who was a decoy in that injury game that everybody got pissed off about. But he's been productive outside of two games. Scotty Miller only has two bad games on the season, so I think it's a fair spot to put him is right there in that range with Nelson Aguilar, Cole Beasley, CD Lamb, Slayton against the Bucks. So I think, yeah, that's a good spot for him. Yeah, this is like the this is the range of death, essentially, uh, when you kind of look at it. Like CD Lamb against the Eagles, Slayton against the Bucks, Claypool against the Ravens, John Brown against the Patriots, Mike Williams against the Broncos, Preston Williams against the Rams. Like those are all tough matchups. They are. Here's the question about the the Eagles one is who do you think Slay goes after? Cooper. Does he think he just yeah, it just takes away Cooper, but Cooper plays a decent amount of slot too. So that's what I was wondering is like, does he just even waste his time with Gallup? Or I'm just that's that's gonna be a curious one for me. So would you play Lamb or would you play Scotty Miller? Because there's the, Scotty Miller. Because there's the potential too in this game where the Bucks just jump out by a bunch and just run the ball down the Giants' throats. Yeah, of course. And also we're talking about Danucci's probably at quarterback and yeah, Danucci. James Madison from Virginia. Yeah, James Madison over here, about an hour and a half away. Uh, but still, it's it's Ben DiNucci from James Madison. There's, you know, so they, I don't think it would be a shock. Like, they remember Tyler Heineke, you know, that one fun game, and it was actually interesting to see him do well. But I, I'm trying to think of a quarterback that I put him in the conversation with. He, like, surprised us for one game, but it was just one game. Uh, I, I almost said Kyle Allen, but Kyle Allen had, like, three or four decent games. Kyle Allen rules. You love Kyle. <laughs> I just love that he th- he has the same thing as Dwayne Haskins. Like, oh, what, what am I doing here? Like, I because I, I watched an awful lot of that game because I had bet on Washington. I wanted Washington to win, and I had a bunch of McLaurin everywhere. That like, when in doubt, jump all to McLaurin. That's all I want. That's all I want from a quarterback <laughs> for my fantasy selfish purposes. Sure, I, I think here's the thing too: is you have to look at is something that uh, D'Angelo Williams, former player, knows more than we do. He said to me last year on the podcast, that's not it's just he knows more than me, is he said the biggest reason you often see backup quarterbacks come in is because they have nothing to fear. Like, what's going to happen? You lose your job as a backup quarterback? So there's a chance Danucci could be look better than Dalton just because he's throwing it aggressively and doesn't give a damn because it might be his only start. Yeah. 
I mean, I, as of these rankings, I have Andy Dalton is out for the moment. So 21 to 30, Cup, Fulgham, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, who I have in right now. We'll touch on that in a second. Brandon Ayuk, Juju Smith-Schuster, Henry Ruggs, Jarvis Landry, Amari Cooper, Marquez Calloway, who I actually have ranked as the highest of the Saints receivers. Uh, he is dealing with an ankle injury, though, so we have to monitor his status. So the two things from here is, one, I like Ruggs more than Aguilar this week based on his skill set versus the Browns. I'm playing home run ball with Henry Ruggs this week against the Browns and Deontay Johnson if he plays I think he is the best fantasy play of all the Steelers receivers but if he doesn't play I think I would go with Claypool even higher than this yeah I think that Claypool has to be so go back to the conversation we had a couple weeks ago when we started off with waivers because it was a big deal with the Fulgham and Claypool and I said at worst case scenario my concern for Claypool is that he could fall to number three if everybody's healthy and Fulgham would still at worst case be number two and right now he's the number one that conversation came to fruition last week. But on the flip side, you talk about buy low and sell high earlier. I will buy low even after being concerned about Claypool and exactly what we thought could be the downside happened because he was still out there for 51 routes, which uh, or 51 snaps, and James Washington was only out there for 18. He's clearly the number three. Now he's clearly the number three, but if Deontay Johnson were sidelined, this goes back to Claypool being the bigger air target option, the bigger play downfield, the bigger red zone presence than Juju Smith-Schuster. So I would move him in front of Juju Smith-Schuster, honestly. I just feel like when all three of them are out there at the same time, especially where I expect this to be a very much like a grinding type game, a lot like last week was against Tennessee, a lot of short yardage, like third and threes on those third and threes. It was just a lot of short routes to Juju like that. He's basically remember how the Patriots never used to run. They used to throw like four yard passes at a time. The Steelers kind of do the same thing. (laughs) They they are kind of doing that. And you know what? And that kind of made me think again. I mean, we're talking about Marlon Humphrey. And the way to beat the Ravens last year and still this year is middle of the field, shorter routes, intermediate routes. So, yeah, you know what? You you want me on that one. I would put Juju over Claypool even if Deontay Johnson's out. I'm with you. Um, Yeah, because the biggest thing is, like, Claypool is right. Like, his ADOT is double any of the other receivers, yet he's still (laughs) fifth in target percentage when they're all out there. Like, he's just really confused. He's just so good that he can turn nothing into something. And it's like, oh, yeah, I should have played him. He scored a 90-yard touchdown. He's kind of one of those guys. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but I do like him if uh, Deontay Johnson ends up sitting out. So the entire 30 to 50 range, we're going to go A.J. Green. He, the revival of A.J. Green is happening now that his role has changed. <laughs> T, who knew that yeah. all it took was T. Higgins being good for A.J. Green to like be good again. Mm-hmm. So he's 31. Zach Pascal at number 32. Devon. Now you get the string of terrible matchups plus Nelson Aguilar. You got Pascal, Devontae <laughs> Parker, Sterling Shepard, Aguilar, Beasley, Scotty Miller, C.D. Lamb, Darius Slayton, Chase Claypool. That's into John Brown, who I expect to return this week. Mike Williams, Preston Williams, Richard Higgins, I have as second behind Jarvis Landry. McCole Hardman, who I think is going to score a long touchdown against the Jets. That just seems like writing on the wall. Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Russell Gage, Curtis Samuel, and Kendrick Bourne against the Seahawks. I think these fringy San Francisco receiving options are kind of sneaky this week, just because Seattle sucks at coverage. Seattle sucks at coverage. Kendrick Ward, when they're down a bunch of guys, similar to last year, seems to be a good opportunity for a touchdown in the red zone presence. Uh, to go back up to it, uh, for the A.J. Green that you're pointing out, it's also not just T. Higgins. It's the fact that over the past two weeks, they finally started using A.J. Green differently. They're using him not quite Juju Smith-Schuster level. Actually, you know what? They're kind of using him like Deontay Johnson. It's not the high A dot of 13, 14, 15. 
he's being used more in slants, goes over the middle. So not goes, uh, I was saying go over the middle. Uh, but if you look at that usage, it's, it's been able to get AJ Green a little bit more separation than he normally would. Not that he was ever a huge separator, but it's been able to you know develop for Burrow another option over the middle of the field and let Higgins be what AJ Green used to be. So I think that, yeah, AJ Green in this role, you know, a few weeks ago, we were dropping him in shallower 10-team leagues, potentially even 12-team leagues, and he's now back to, I think, where you have him. He's back to being starter-worthy now. Yeah, he's he's a wide receiver three, a flex play with, I guess, limited upside, but it feels like they do... Whenever they get into the red zone, it's like first look T Higgins. And then if he's covered, then, you know, it's between AJ Green and Boyd in that circumstance in the passing game. Like Green dropped a touchdown last week. So uh, his numbers could be a little bit better. And yeah, the fact that his only route isn't run as fast as you can down the field and we'll bomb it to you. That's actually working in his favor <laughs> that he doesn't just do that anymore. He's an old man. You get tired from running sprints. Well, so I was going to say, because running as fast as he can is just not running that fast anymore. <laughs> Uh, I didn't get your take on it on Antonio Brown as of yet. I don't know if the viewers and listeners know it or not. They've heard my take. I've probably spouted it three times. I just don't think he's going to be that great. If I had to set the over-under at two and a half games this season, Jake, where he finishes inside the top 30 at wide receiver for a given week, would you take the over or the under? I would take the over. Oh, I, really? Like, I would take the under. Just, no, I would definitely take the over. Here's why. Like, I understand the downside is he might not even play two and a half games <laughs> but where i mean that's, that's we're laughing but it's, it's true no no that, that, that was a part of my argument of just putting a lot of like here here's the potential pros for antonio brown the pros is that he's antonio brown and he fucking rules the downside are these eight things that also come along with him <laughs> it was kind of my thing like you pick him up and trade him to the person who still thinks he's antonio brown in your league today and just max out your value on him that I completely agree with. I tweeted when the rumor started, and that's with back when he was supposed to sign with Seattle. And I continue to tweet it and say, you know, if you can get wide receiver one or even mid to upper wide receiver two value for him, do it, pick him up and trade him. And people are like, nobody's paying that. And yet you see the litany of people and trade opportunities saying, I could trade him for this. I could trade him for that. Somebody in some league, maybe all 12 of your league mates or your entirely is smart enough to not do it. Okay, fine. It doesn't include you, but for most people out there, somebody's still in love with Antonio Brown. So to back to the original question, my point about Antonio Brown is if he's 90%, like just 90% of what he used to be, there's a good chance he's still 100% because he's Antonio Brown. But let's just say he's 90%. The, he has a fascination with playing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, obviously, in that one game, has a fascination with targeting a billion times. And I compared it to the Cowboys. I think that Antonio Brown and Kyrus Godwin turn into when Dak was playing – is the CD Lamb and Mari Cooper and that Gallup slash Evans, the deep ADOT guy, barely gets involved and maybe get one good week out of four. And that's what you're looking for. And in that case, potential top 15 wide receiver, not just top 30. So that's my upside for him. Obviously, we know the floor. Obviously, you know, hell, he might go party, get COVID, and infect the entire team. That's Antonio Brown. But I, you know, if I can't get top 15 to 18 range wide receiver value for him, I'll play the upside. I, I, I had said that if you just have Antonio Brown, I know this deal would be accepted. I would just trade him for T Higgins right now. I'd shoot higher than that, but that's who I would take. I could see the case for it. I think it would depend on my team too. It kind of goes back to whether or not you're trading or trying to buy low on Zeke or taking the risk of Nick Chubb coming back or Austin Eckler coming back. Uh, so I, I, I would, I think it's a fair spot to put him, but I could see chasing his upside if you hey, put it this way. If T. Higgins is your fourth best wide receiver, I would actually rather go Antonio Brown. I can see that, but there's a, I mean, I think T. Higgins is like a 
the top, he's a wide receiver too, basically a top 24 receiver. I think Justin Jefferson's a little bit better than he is in terms of fantasy the rest of the season. But I think that they're in that mix is like mid-tier, low-end running back twos, or wide receiver twos. I think Jefferson's going to be more Here's one for you. Okay. Would you take Cooper or Antonio Brown the rest of the way? I don't know. I've never drafted Amari <laughs> Cooper, so it's hard for me to really put myself into that position. Probably. Especially with the quarterbacks. Yeah. That's that's a really interesting one, just because <sighs> probably Brown, because Brown. if he has a big yeah. game, I would just sell him for way more than anything that you'll ever get for Amari Cooper. That's like, the you know what I'm glad you said that because I forgot I even said this and I'm not being like oh look at me I'm smart but like I think this is a really good way of putting it you have a lottery ticket you Antonio Brown's on your team you have a lottery ticket it's already hit the first five numbers so you have a hundred thousand dollars you know the Powerball is coming you could get a hundred million or you could just be stuck with a hundred thousand dollars or let's say the for the comparison here is that that if you don't get that lottery ball ticket then your ticket goes to zero. So that's like, do you cash in on the $100,000 or do you try to risk the million? It's like deal or no deal. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Even better. Except you don't have to pound Howie Mandel. I think that Antonio <laughs> Brown is a really interesting piece to try to trade up to get a running back one. Like if you're mediocre running back plus Antonio Brown for good running back. Yeah, I could, see, I could also see doing that. You know, and I'll give it, you know, how much I love Travis Fulgham. But if you fell into Travis Fulgham and you're going for the win or take all, and again, he's your fourth wide receiver and you want to go after Antonio Brown on the flip side, I'm not going to hate you for it. I would still keep Fulgham, but I will bet you Fulgham outscores Antonio Brown. Oh, no, for the rest of the I'm year. not taking it. You know I love Fulgham. That's my boy. There's no way I'm taking that bet. I'm on the Fulgham side. Uh, let's move to tight end. Because, you know, there's only so much Antonio Brown we can cover on every single show. <laughs> um, guys I currently have in the rankings, Mo Alicox and Tyler Higby, who missed the Monday night game. Dawson Knox, Austin Hooper, I have as likely out and officially out. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. That leads me into the rankings. Not going to spend too much time on this. George Kittle, number one. Number two, Travis Kelsey. Darren Waller, Jonu Smith, Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, Jimmy Graham, Hayden Hurst, Richard Rogers, Noah Fant at number 10. That's into Hawkinson, only because the Colts are the best team against tight end so far. Um, so he's still startable, just, you know, temper expectations. Gronk, Trey Burton, Gesicki, Jared Cook, Robert Tanyan, Harrison Bryant, Eric Ebron, Tyler Higby, Tyler Croft down at number 20. I guess the most, like, outrageously ranked guy is Richard Rodgers, but the Eagles just have so few people to throw to. Wait, are you picking up Regor yeah. right now? Mm, I, I, you know, if I'm in a 12-team or deeper, I'll stash him, but the problem is Jeffrey might come back, and then as we've looked at the Fulcum thing, he's the number one. Regor's going to be a rookie, missing a lot of time, coming back, asked to play, you know, a significant piece, maybe? Like, that's the question. Like, is he? Is he going to be the third wide receiver if Jeffrey's out there? You know, I think the Deshaun Jackson injury helps a little bit for the potential for Rager. But if Goddard's back as well, in my mind, it's Fulgham, Goddard, the backfield. And then at best case scenario, Rager's the fourth option. So I, I think that you can stash him for his potential and his talent, but I wouldn't go crazy for it. If you have him on his roster, on your roster and somebody wants to give you value for him, I could definitely see him doing that. The one tight end I was going to bring up. And I hate to do it, but, you know, if Emmanuel Sanders is out, I know it's the Bears, but I would rank the god-awful Jericho higher. How much higher? Uh, I would play him in front of Fant. You, because, put him, you put him at number 10? Yeah, the problem with Fant is his two best games 
even then or a long time ago. And it's just that whole offense isn't connecting with Drew Locke. I mean, look at Jerry Judy being asked to get kind of like that Brian Edwards before he got hurt, that number one corner attention. And he's playing a decent amount of the snot out of the slot. And Drew Locke is just, he's hampering this offense. This offense can't get going in the passing game. It's only been Tim Patrick and really nothing else. So I would play him over Fant and I hate to do it because I hate to ever trust Jared Cook, but I would. And to go back to the wide receivers real quick, if Emmanuel Sanders is playing, I would actually go Traquan Smith over uh, the, the Marquez Callaway, who I had on some DraftKings lineup last week. I like the Callaway call because I called him last week, but that was just because there's nobody left, and I don't think Traquan can handle number one coverage. But if Emmanuel Sanders is out there, I think Traquan fits better. Uh, I actually agree with you. However, can Emmanuel Sanders come back? Doesn't he have COVID? Oh, is that is what that was that what it was? It was COVID. Yeah, he was. I thought it was. He was, was placed on the COVID list. I don't know oh, if necessarily never, never, that means. That, but I don't know if that means he tested positive or he was around someone. Like it's all very complicated stuff. I'm sure I can. I know this. So this whole COVID thing is like placed him on the COVID list. And it doesn't even say. Yeah, it doesn't say if he's allowed to come back this week or not. I'm assuming that the COVID list means you can come back with two negative tests. Well, if that's the case, then I would have, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd have Traquan, then Sanders, then Callaway. But if Sanders isn't there, I would go Callaway above Traquan. Okay, yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons that I have Fant at number 10, I'll move up Jared Cook. I'll take your advice on that one. Uh, nah, just don't say you got the advice from somebody else. No, that ever, is, I mean, ever, when you play Jared <laughs> Cook this week and he scores negative one points, that's on Jake. He told you to it do that. It can't be any worse than Jono getting us a zero last week. <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre. Um, but Fant was dinged up last week, and he's been playing through injury. But I, I don't think Tim Patrick's going to play, and that just reveals more of an opportunity share for him in a week where I think it's a decent matchup against the Chargers, where he All runs right, the no majority of his routes. What's that? Yeah. If no Tim Patrick, then uh, I would play Fant one spot over Cook. There's just so many ifs and buts this week, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, then I'll then I will move Fant back up above Cook because my rankings do not feature Tim Patrick in them. I have him listed as likely. Yeah, Gasicki is below the threshold on waiver wire for at least my column. I believe he's down to like fifty five percent ownership. You pick him up in case like he's Tua's guy, right? <laughs> you pick him up, period, because he's on the field a ton. And even if Tua gives him a twenty percent boost, now he's going to be back into the tight end one conversation because it doesn't take much to get into the tight end one conversation. So yeah, absolutely. Tua could help Gesicki. The one thing about Fitzpatrick is he just wasn't looking at him. He just, a lot of Devontae Parker. And then sometimes Isaiah Ford and Jakeem Grant and you know, the backfield, Smythe. Just, whatever it was. Yes. Yeah, turn Smythe. That was a fun game. Uh, but yeah, I think that you have to, you know, the, the one thing I will say is this isn't for everybody out there. This isn't the argument that rookies love their tight ends because that's been proven to be, be a myth, but Tua could like Gesicki more than Fitzpatrick did. Yes, absolutely. Or that could be, especially in this matchup with the Rams, where they're so good on the outside that you're probably going to look for your seam receiver, which is Gusecki. Right. And I think Miami's got a not bad schedule for the, when I was well, looking they, for they tight play, ends. They play in the AFC East, so <laughs> chances are they're playing some crappy teams. Uh, yeah, Arizona, Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Cincinnati. That's two good ones right in a row. They get Kansas City, New England's middle of the road, Las Vegas middle of the road. But that Jets, Cincinnati is nice in week 12 and 13 and get you into the playoffs. Quarterbacks, and he's free as well. So quarterback rankings for week eight. I have Andy Dalton is out of the rankings. Uh, I go Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, 
Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Burrow at number 10, into the bottom end of the running or the quarterback ones, Wentz, Herbert, Roethlisberger, Carr, Mayfield, Garoppolo, Stafford, Goff. I got Cam at number 19. Like, I can't envision myself playing Cam this week, but I wouldn't drop him yet. (laughs) No, I wouldn't drop him yet either. You want to hear an insane stat? I pulled pulled this up yesterday. He's on pace for 2,900 passing yards. Six passing touchdowns, 732 rushing yards, and 15 rushing touchdowns. Do you know how many quarterbacks in the history of football have had under 3,000 passing yards, but at least 700 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns? Not even 15, 10 rushing touchdowns. A big fat zero. The only quarterbacks to ever do 3,705, Michael Vick and some dude named Bobby Douglas from 1972. B-Dugs, my guy. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, and Vic only had 16 passing touchdowns in that season. So I, I'm with you. You can't drop him yet because if Cam Newton just fixes his arm a little bit, we're fine. But I don't see how you start him until you see at least one good game. So I, I want to pull this up. I, I wrote it down and then I forgot where I saved it. So now I got to pull it. I emailed it to myself, which I do with some things sometimes. Oh, Carson Wentz. I do that with gifts. Yeah, Carson Wentz. <laughs> His number of pass attempts have risen each of the past three weeks. That includes multiple touchdown passes in all three of those games. Uh, his What's a floor against Dallas? Well, Kyle Allen scored the fewest amount of fantasy points for a quarterback against Dallas last week, which was 17. And Dallas is allowing 2.9 points per drive to opposing teams, which is the fourth most in this. Uh, and Wentz has scored over 17 fantasy points each of the past five weeks. We talked about the Eagles' schedule earlier. Is Wentz, and he's running and scoring rushing touchdowns, is he a top 10 quarterback the rest of the way? I think he's in the conversation. I think he's that fringe. Just, just, just or, take my advice. Don't watch Eagles games. Just look at the points <laughs> afterwards. I, I look. I'm with you. The problem was is like I wanted. To, I ranked them like QB 14 or 15 last week, and I wanted to put them higher. And but I was looking at the names in front of them. It's just like I feel. It, I I lack trust in Wentz at this point, but. It's amazing what Fulgham's been able to do for him. And this is without Goddard on the field. This is with Zach Ertz playing like crap, but that's because he's running a decent amount too. And so that's the threat is he gets hurt, but you can't play that game with a lot of, you know, I would take Wentz over Bridgewater. I know not this week. I would take Wentz over Bridgewater going forward. I think that he falls into the conversation. You know, it was a good comparison for him with the style of play that people just don't want to give her. No, Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, I have Tannehill inside my top ten. I'm, I'm, I'm done not believing in Tannehill in this offense. Like it now, now is well. I was talking to Paul before we came on. We were talking about DraftKings this week, and I'm actually having Jeff Radcliffe on the show. It's going to come out a little bit later on Thursday, like Thursday around like 1 p.m. Eastern time. I think the DraftKings show will drop. But Paul and I were talking about Derrick Henry. Like, do you just lock in Derrick Henry this week against Cincinnati? And I was like, well, we've seen certain games at times. Like, it's a tough fade if you're going to do it but i think the way that you fade derrick henry is play like Tannehill, Jonu, and aj brown and just hope it's one of those games where Tannehill has five passing touchdowns because those happen yeah I, th- I think that's you know that's th- that's how it's a strategy that people don't often implement either is that when you fade somebody they just go to other picks instead of doing what you said and fading the other at the other aspect of the offense so i think that's how you could do it as well uh, Derrick Henry for me, uh, that's actually not my favorite play this week. It's my second favorite, but I, you know, the biggest problem with DraftKings is we know this, not with DraftKings itself, with Derrick Henry in DraftKings is that unless he catches one for 70, it's just that passing upside is always capped. It is, but he just has these big plays almost every single week. 
And if and if he has his game, his game, you have to have him. Yeah, that's that's the, a, that's the whole thing. It's like Tyreek Hill when Tyreek Hill has a huge game. It's like, well, you're gonna have to have him. He has had 200 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, you didn't hit well two weeks ago if you didn't have Derrick Henry. You didn't do well this past week if you didn't have Devontae Adams. And you, you need or to hire Lockett help too. So uh, I know you got to run. Is there any other quarterback you want to mention before defenses, or is it just kind of pick your poison here? There's like 13 good ones this week. Yeah, uh, 13. I think Derek Carr and I think I think Carr I Mayfield and Garoppolo and even Stafford and Goff to that extent. So 18 that you can like feel decent about playing. Yeah, I think that like Carr, I I think he's another one similar to, like Tannehill. Like we have to stop doubting the way that he's been playing this week. Uh, one I was going to bring you the question about was I was going to come back to you and say Herbert versus Wentz the rest of the season. Probably Wentz. I just love that schedule a lot and i think that he's been I good too, with, but I, I, I think i think that he's been good without his good pieces already fantasy wise that you'd have to expect maybe it gets better i don't know I, I guess do you think that it's not the rushing prowess of carson wentz versus herbert because herbert's definitely going to pile up more yardage on the ground every single game on a consistent basis but wentz is calling his own he's pulling a josh allen like every time they get inside the three yard line it's like oh i'm gonna score a touchdown now <laughs> and that's you know that's certainly fair but speaking of schedules you know if you look at the chargers they have denver which their passing defense stinks it's only their run defense that's good now and they have them in week 16 and this week and then they got vegas miami jets buffalo's defense stinks new england's the one concerning one but the 14 15 16 is falcons vegas and denver so i don't think the schedule is too much worse than wentz's is wentz's is <laughs> yeah all things being equal i i think it's a coin flip at this point i think you can i think the case that you just made for herbert could probably vault him ahead a little bit um and maybe he ends up you uh, do you worry that we've seen the best of herbert maybe there's a little bit of rookie regression as the season yeah, goes course. along like that i'm not saying that's going to happen i think that's more possible than Wentz. although Wentz has a propensity to get hurt too and like play through the injury and then he's not good anymore so i think you pick your poison i like Wentz a little bit more but you i could definitely be wrong about that who thought we'd be having that conversation? Yeah, of course, the concern with Herbert is that the fact that NFL defenses are going to try and scheme ways to start beating him. They've already done that with Wentz, and Wentz has pushed back with his. It's similar to like baseball. You start adjusting both ways, and they, it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Herbert hasn't really kind of hit that peak point where you know they're going to try and trick him into more things. Not say, Like you said, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's the concern defenses very quickly i got the chiefs at number one against the jets uh the bucks at number two against the giants chargers rams saints ravens steelers eagles titans and bears that's the top 10 uh the bills at 11 against the patriots the colts the seahawks the patriots against the bills broncos packers and 49ers any glaring errors to you on that no i think that looks pretty solid to me uh yeah I can't complain about any of them, honestly. Defense is pretty. Defense streaming defenses this week is pretty pitiful. That the fact that the rankings are almost kind of inherently good. Yeah, well, the the whole thing was when we spoke three weeks ago. It was just like go pick up the Chiefs now. Do not play them, <laughs> uh, and then play them against the Broncos and play them against the Jets, and everything will work out well for you. Yeah, the, some people drop Tennessee if they're out there. They'll be one of the ones that I pick up because they also have the uh, Bears at home next week. So. Yeah, you and, two week play. and their defense isn't good, but they're one of these very opportunistic defenses where they kind of they give up big plays because they're always ball hawking. But I don't really give a shit about that. I care that they ball hawk. 
<laughs> that's what you want. It's similar to the, the Eagles back in the day, like two or three years ago when the Eagles were abysmal at stopping anybody, but they're a great fantasy defense because they ball hawked and went for the touchdowns all the time. Yeah. Like old, like it, I know the Ravens have been basically pretty, pretty good for the past like 15 years in terms of defense, but like the years that they weren't really good, they would still have like Ed Reed uh, to play center field. Then you knew that after he had a pick, they had like designed plays to score touchdowns on defense. It was great. <laughs> they, they try to jump the out every single time <laughs> all right that will do it on the pat mayo experience week eight rankings of course you can find the rankings in the description of this video and podcast it will be updated daily so if injuries change after you watch this video boom you can go do that remember to subscribe to the pat mayo experience podcast and the mayo media network youtube page jake uh you got the rankings coming up midnight tonight yeah midnight tonight and then adjusted points allowed tomorrow the waivers are already up uh, you know follow, you say it all the time just follow me at all and get i tweet all that stuff out and still just a dollar to join so can't complain Pat Mayo Media. although you can in the comments yeah as you like to mention that the people will do yeah this is true all right jake <laughs> at all and kid on twitter once again me at the pme playing the pat mayo experience listeners league link on DraftKings in the description of this video and get the free tools up at ftndaily.com right now in the description as well if you want the premium tools code mayo gets you a discount on the already discounted price up there right now thank you all for watching i'm pat mayo i'll see you next time this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call click or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done.